Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. We are back and we are live. It is Fight IQ presented by Rotowire MMA and on deck UFC Sao Paulo. I believe it is UFC Fight Night 137, our main event. It, ha- it has been a carousel of main events, but it's right now Tiago Santos take- taking on Eric Yaboy Anders. And this was supposed to be Jimmy Manoa taking on Glover Teixeira. Teixeira falls off. We get Santos. So now it's Santos Manoa. Manoa tears a hamstring running pre pre this card. I think he was in Brazil when it happened. And your boy steps in. And now we have Sanders, uh, Santos, and Anders. I think this is the best main event of the three. I am your host for Fight IQ, the Daily Fantasy Sniper, here with the analyst, Joe Sunsu, Chris at Real Chris Olson. Guys, are you in agreement this is the best main event of the carousel that we could have gotten? I, I, I'm happiest with this main event. Uh, I think I, I might've liked to see Manawa Santos just, you know, Manawa a big puncher. Um, and I would be a little bit more confident in Santos against Manawa, um, than I am in Santos against Anders, but no, it's look, it, considering how this main event fell apart several times, it's, it's hard to find too much fault in it. Yeah, I agree that this is, this is one of the harder fights. This, this is the harder of the three fights to pick and break down, but from, Purely as a fan, I this is the one I want to see the most. Chris, what are your thoughts on our final main event? Yeah, no, I think this is the most intriguing one for sure because Anders actually answered a little bit of questions in in that third round uh, mm. in his last fight where he actually got more aggressive and ended up getting the finish. So 
it's going to be interesting to see how he deals. You know, I won't get into it too much now, of course, but going to be interesting to see how he deals with a opponent like uh, Santos. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I think this is a great card. Like, this is the polar opposite of the Moscow card. I mean, you've got 14 fights. You've got lots of variants, at least in my opinion. You've got lots of variants. You've got one double-digit favorite, which is a showcase fight. But other than that, I think you've got a fair amount of variants. And I, I was very clear for those who follow me on Twitter – I am playing no cash games this week. This is a, a 100% GPP week for me. See, I actually will get to a couple of reasons why I like cash this week. There are a couple of plays in that cash sweet spot in the mid-eights that I really like. So my cash lineup is coming together pretty nicely. So we will talk about that as we move uh, through. 14 fights on this card. So guys, let's get to it. Before we do, though, I want to shout out our sponsor, Rotowire MMA. Make sure to go to rotowire.com slash free. Check out all the usual um, premium content that Rotowire offers, not just for MMA, but for all sports, daily fantasy, season long. Got everything you need there for fantasy sports. Try it all out. 10 days, no credit card required. Rotowire MMA, make sure you like this video. If you're watching it, subscribe to the Rotowire MMA uh, service on iTunes to the podcast on, on iTunes, and give this video a thumbs up. Follow all of us on Twitter. You guys know, know where we are. We record these. If you're watching after the fact, 8 p.m. on Fridays. We are live, as I mentioned in the open. Type any questions. Give us some crap. You know, there's usually a good group in there talking some smack and just having fun, and let's keep it rolling, and let's kick off the night with a massive, the, mass, the biggest favorite on the card. It is, we forget her first name, Lavinha. Souza at 9,600, taking on Alex Astro Girl Chambers at 6,600. Souza minus 1,100, Chambers plus 900. If you've watched this this uh, Fight IQ in the past, well, first of all, thank you. Uh, we're going to change things up just a little bit in terms of, I know I'm always the one saying condensed, but I think a lot of us at this point on Fridays, we know a lot of the fight breakdown. These guys will touch on it and go through their DFS perspective. And I'm just going to kind of put a bow on it and try and keep these two lunatics in order. So now that we've given the fight intro on this one, it'd just be wrong if I didn't start off a women's MMA fight with Joe. So, Joe, how do you see Sosa Chambers? Okay, so former Invicta champ Sosa I'm speaking to um, lost a, a close decision to Angela Hill, who's now in the UFC. Uh, Astro girl. uh Chambers, Alex Chambers, look, this is win-win for the fighters, right? Sosa gets a, a, a softball for her promotional debut in her home country. Alex Chambers, don't feel sorry for her, Astro girl, she is like an astrophysicist. That's her day job. She gets a free trip to Brazil for less than five minutes of work. Um, usually you're reticent, you know, to put straw weights other than Jessica Andrade, um, you know, in GPPs because of their unlikeliness or unlikelihood of finishing, I think Sosa's got a really good shot to finish this. And I think she will want to be impressive in front of her home crowd. Uh, again, I am not playing much cash, but I think Sosa is a cash lock. Um, GPP. Somebody somebody actually just asked that. The problem is she's 9,600. Yeah. The fight, is, the fight is, it's a minus, it's a one and a half, and it's like a pick of minus 110, one and a half. Yeah, so uh, for you, cash games. And thanks for that question, uh, David in chat. Yeah, if you can afford her, you know, you want to play her. I, I honestly think that that's a soft line for finishing. I really do think Sosa will finish Chambers. Um, you know, K Caitlin Curran was beating the shit out of Chambers before she turned it on her, and we all know how good Caitlin Curran is. So, um, Sosa here, Sosa, Sosa, Sosa. 
Chris, what do you got in our, our curtain jerker? Yeah, I as much as I love um, the contrarian stuff, I I, I can't do, uh, do it quite yet. The one thing I, I I would think Chambers does have going for her is she likes to pressure, and um, so that we've seen her um, sort of just back up and shell up when she gets attacked. But the problem is that um, Chambers doesn't hit very hard, and um, her striking isn't the best to begin with. Um, it's it's very wild and awkward. So and, and it's and it's very one shot as well. So. Um, I think what's basically going to happen here is that um, uh, Susan's going to get the fight to the ground. And once that happens, I mean, look, we saw uh, Nadia Kassem uh, out grapple Alex Chambers, and I believe she's still without a submission finish on her record. So I, I think um, I think Susan is just going to get a submission here. I mean, there's not much more to say than that. She's great on the ground. She's got great um, transition. She's great at holding position. I see this fight ending in a sub for her pretty clearly. Well, to put a bow on it, I agree. Both these, both these guys, we should probably move on so we can get to some disagreements. I will say that 9,600 Chambers better get a first-round finish to be in the nuts lineup in GPPs uh, unless a, a few underdogs come through. Uh, but we'll get to those underdogs. I don't think it's in this next fight, though. Our, our second fight of the night has the second-largest favorite, Eliseu Zaleski Dos Santos, 9,500, taking on Luigi Vandermini at 6,700. I believe Vandermini is taking this fight on short notice. Zaleski is a minus 840 favorite. Vandermini plus 660. I like the aggressive style of Zaleski. Chris, how do you see this one going? Um, you know, I like Zaleski too, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to differ from you a little bit when you say um, aggressive style. I mean... He tends to be caught in these wars, but I think at heart he's basically a counterpuncher. I think that's what he likes to do. I, I, I think that, that that a lot of times we see him start out counterpunching, he lands counterpunch, and then he, he attacks. He attacks very well when he has his opponent hurt. But I think at his core he's a counter-striker, and for that reason, um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much – I'm kind of staying away from this fight because I think he wins, but – I think it's it's going to be pretty slow paced unless he can land the big shot, and um, you know he could, but um, I I don't know I, I I don't see a finish um, forthcoming. So I think I would dog her past this, and I don't think the dog's going to win. So for me, that means I'm pretty much staying away from this. Joe, any difference of opinion on this one? No, I mean. There's there's a fair amount of risk here for DK at 9.5. You're not going to get grappling points. So to Chris's point, you need a finish. I would probably rather pay up to go to Sosa or pay down and go to Dubronx. Um, I think there's a, a fair amount of risk here. Probably a safe cash play. But then again, um, you know, who's got a higher upside in cash? Probably Sosa. So... Again, I'm not sure what the field is going to be, but I'll likely be underweight to the field on Zaleski. See, I the only thing I differ with, I agree. I think we all agree how this fight's going to go, most possible outcomes. But I think most people are going to be in the same camp you guys are in. And yep. that, game theory-wise, it makes me really like uh, Dos Santos in um, in tournaments. Like He's got Dubronx below him and Souza above him. I, I, I think he's going to be between 10 and 15% owned. I could go a little over the field and, and get a little bit of leverage there. He's live to a knockout for sure. He's, he's finished, guys. He could get multiple knockdowns in this fight. 
it's one of those I'm, I'm considering being a shade overweight just because I think most people won't go there. And Look, I'll, I'll tell you where I am now. I'm at 20%. And my, I'm at 20% in my mass entry GPPs. Yeah, I think last time I checked, I was 25 or 30, somewhere in that range. I think closer to 25 just because I didn't want to double punt a lot of spots. I like the mid-range in this card, and we'll get there, and let's move on to our next fight. It is Hector Lombard, 8,400, taking on Talis Leites at 7,800. And if I remember correctly from checking couple hours ago, we have our first case of line value on this card. Of course, I can't find the odds. Oh, you are correct. Yep. If the line has flipped. Talis Leites is a minus 115 favorite. What, it flipped? It, it flipped. Leites, uh, pretty much everywhere. On some sites, he's minus 125. 135 is the high. Whew. Uh, mm -hmm. Lombard Dog at plus 105. Look, the... The issue, though, is that Leites really doesn't fight at a high output. He also says he's going to retire. So keeping those two pieces of narrative, or the one piece of narrative, just statistical uh, analysis in mind. Joe, how do you have uh, this fight now that we have uh, some line value to analyze? Um, I didn't realize how overweight I was, but I am pretty heavy on Leites here. I mean, uh, this was – I created all my – an un unusual circumstance for me because it's a real risk if a fight gets canceled. But I essentially had all my lineups created last night. Obviously, I could do some tweaking, but I'm I'm pretty exposed to Leites here. I mean, obviously, I have some Lombard as well. I think this is a good fight to target aside from the narrative. Um, you know, for those of, of you who don't remember, um, Lombard lost his last fight by DQ. He he, he knocked out unconscious C.B. Dalloway after the bell and was disqualified. Like, not even close, guys. Yeah. Not even close. Yeah, so um, I am on Leites here. I, I, I'm getting minus 117. So that line flip is our first, to, to your point, our first uh, sense of line value here. Uh, Chris, how do you have our, our line flip fight? I, when, you were, uh, when you were introing this fight, I thought you were going to say Talis Leites doesn't do anything which I, it pretty much is, is where I'm coming from with it. Look, I mean, the thing about Talis ladies is to win fights, he's very takedown dependent. If he can't get his takedown game going, he generally just has like this really slow-paced kickboxing game, um, which is a lot of like jab and, and leg kick and very, very, very slow-paced. And um, he hasn't gotten his wrestling game going all that much. We saw him get it going against Hermanson. I think Hermanson was probably a little bit hurt before that takedown, just the way he came out in that second round, but I don't know that for sure. But regardless, um, you know, he couldn't – he hasn't been able to take down um, most of his opponents lately. He couldn't take down Brad Tavares. Uh, couldn't take down Sam Alvey. Now, those guys are, are good um, takedown defenders, but so is uh, Lombard. He's a, he's a very short guy. Um, I will say – I will say Lombard, by the way, is a judoka. Yeah, he'll have good takedown defense for as long as he has gas. Uh, yeah, absolutely, and um, and and that's where I I, I think this this fight is going to come in. Uh, we actually saw Lombard be be pretty aggressive um, in that in that fight against Anthony Smith. He he was chewing up that lead leg, which I think he's going to have the opportunity to do here. Um, he was um, coming forward and throwing those hooks, and and was really was really uh, controlling that fight for most of the first two rounds until uh, 
Smith caught him at the end of the second there and, uh, you know, uh, transferred that momentum into the third and knocked him out. But, um, you know, it's it's hard to rely on Lombard here at 8,400 because I think what is that? That DQ, I think, was officially his sixth loss in a row. So it's I understand that it's kind of hard to trust him. But I just I just think um, Leites does so little if he's not getting his takedown game working that I think Lombard could actually be a decent cash play here because I honestly see him winning this fight if it stays standing. With the line value, it, it's hard. Like I, I'm, I've mentioned it a lot of times before, people get burned by line, line value. I got burned by a line value on, on a Linux just last week. So, I look, know. look to go contrarian to line value and cash. That should be your hot take. I don't think you need to go any further than that. You don't often go contrarian to line value and cash. Yeah, Maybe you GPPs, but not in cash. Yeah, it's also hard for me right. to, to play Lombard in cash because Lombard's lost five straight fights. So I, I get it. Lombard's live here. It's also late teasers retiring. Something always to be wary of. For me, it's Lombard GPP, late teasing cash. But I, I get where you're coming from that Lombard, you know, has has probably looked the better as of late. Next up, a fight that I probably one of my strongest takes on the card. Jillian Robertson, 8,300, taking on forget her first name, Myra Bueno Silva at 7,900. Robertson is the favorite on this one. It has been slowly climbing over the last couple of days, now up to minus 150. I'm glad I bet this where I did. Uh, bueno at plus 140. Joe, women's MMA fight. We This one, not intentional. We start with you. Okay, so look, I, I the narrative is, is wonderful on this fight. Um, you got Jillian Robinson coming off a very impressive win against the meatball um, who didn't roll. Um, haha. Um, we've got uh, we've got her studying at American top team raves from her coaches, Dean Thomas. Um, we now we've got this Brazilian fighter who came to the UFC to make her debut debut off of the Dana White contender series Brazil. Well, it seems like they have an interesting matchmaking technique. They, they put the person up that they want to win against either someone who is aged or young and just essentially lob them softballs. So you know, we're going to, we're going to talk about this later in the fight that I think you have the strongest take on because yeah, so, so she got a softball here. Um, yeah. She got a softball here. I like Anderson as well. Great mid range play. 8.3. I'm sorry, Robertson, I mean, I, Robertson here, 8.3 K like her a lot. Um, I think this is a good position for her um, to get her, her second consecutive victory. Yeah, she um, landed the slowest developing ninja choke you're going to see um, in that Dana White Tuesday Contender Series. And she was, what, 39 years old, her opponent? Yeah, that was it was a weird one. And that's that 39 was, in Brazil years, which is probably like 43, 44 in U.S. years. I was going to say 61, but okay. okay. Uh, Chris, how do you have this fight? Yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a little uh, – I mean, I'm not sure you why you guys – uh, well, no, I'm not. I'm just not sure why you guys are so confident about it. I mean, I, I think that. Um, uh, I'll tell you why after. All right. Well, she she has a lot of the same problems as 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 the um, the last uh, Brazilian contender series uh, debutante that we spoke of, which is she gets backed up a lot uh, when she, uh, to strikes, and she just sort of shells and sort of um, she can get caught there. But I mean, Jillian Jillian Robertson is is not a. Uh, not a boxer, not a strong boxer. I, I, I think that um I, I think that um you know her her 
her positional grappling is solid. We saw that. Um, we've seen that in both her fights now. But um, I'm just not sure if she's the better grappler here. And if she's not, uh, I, I don't really know that she wins the fight because we saw in that matchup with uh, Molly the Meatball that, you know, she basically was selling out for takedowns. Now, Molly's probably, and not, not, not probably, she's definitely a better boxer than the opponent here. But I just don't know if Robertson has the tools to exploit the biggest weakness that she's going to need to exploit here. And once they get to the ground, I'm just not sure if she's the better grappler. So She's by far the better wrestler, Chris. Yeah, that's is a, by far. This is, might be the better this no, is no. a uh, transition to me because I get what you're saying, but I don't think she needs to exploit that in any way. I think strength for strength, she negates um, uh, Bueno's biggest strength. When you yes. do that, yeah, yeah which is jujitsu. She's like Robertson is the better wrestler. She's going to end up on top. I don't think uh, Bueno's top game or bottom game is, is good enough to catch Robertson in a sub. I love the Robertsons at ATT. She's well trained, has, has a little bit of. Um, Mo a little bit of momentum there. They like her in the camp. She's spoken highly of. Look, Robertson. Sean, is there a better uh, camp for a female fighter in the, in, in the world? Is there a better camp? <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, Will in, in chat it says, Robertson also has to worry about Brazilian weasel judging. It's something I talked about. I think that's overblown just a little bit. Um, but also, I think it'll be so dominant, Will, that it would – I don't think it'd be a weasel type decision. By the way, think, Will, shout out to I, Will for watching. Will actually, because uh, I watched his pod, Will actually made money um, as, you know, he. I, I don't know if he could cheer too loudly because the fight was in the UK, but Will was actually on Robinson last fight. Robinson, so, Robinson. You got Robinson. Robinson. You keep saying Robinson. You are getting called, you are getting called in out in, in chat too for calling Robinson. Oh, my Mike, Mike Buddha there. Um, no, okay. So Will, Will actually made some money on this fight last time. Yeah, yeah, it was, and you know what? Now I'm I'm jumping on Robertson. I have been on Robertson. I think for me, Chris, I get what you're saying. Is is that it's kind of strength for strength, and if she can't, she's not she's not going to be able to negate the striking. But I think just her her wrestling and grappling is. Well, let me let me be clear that I agree that she's probably the better wrestler. I she's she goes in for some nice single legs and gets them. I agree that she's probably the better wrestler. But you know, I, we've seen um, Silva hit some good sweeps before on the regional scene. And I just don't know that um, Robertson is the better grappler. In fact, gun to my head, I would, I, I would say that maybe she isn't. So oh, I, I, I don't know. I, well, I, 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 I'm going to find a gun to your head, Chris, because I'd really like you on the next podcast. I, 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 I disagree I with you on this one. I, I think Robertson's the better grappler. If anything, I could see, I could concede that it is, you know, obviously an MMA fight and, um, bueno has jujitsu. If anything, she catches a submission. That's the way I, I, I think she wins this fight. But moving on. So uh, for me, by the way, 8,300, 7,900, or this is a great fight to target. Um, women's fight, sometimes you're a little wary of, but you got a grappling-based fight. Who cares, men or women, grappling-based fight? I like to target this one. All right, moving on. Sergio the Panther Marais, 9,100, taking on Ben Killaby Saunders. At 7,100, the line on this fight as of right now. Saunders is the underdog at plus 245. Marais minus 265. Another fight that I think the breakdown's pretty clear, but it's the scoring we have to worry about. Chris, where are you going on this fight? Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I thought 
that we might get a little bit of a break here since Saunders won his last fight by knockout. But you know the the um, the price gods weren't fooled, and and so we have we have a big uh, line on rice, and it, it is hard to get there. But um, you know he he throws power in every shot. We've seen it. Um, he comes forward. Uh, he actually he was outstriking Tim Means for for a good portion of their fight, um, and we've seen that um, Ben Saunders is hittable. He can get battered. He was um, done so in, in the fight before the one that he that he lost against um, Alan Joban. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I just think Ben Saunders is too slow, too sort of janky in the cage. I, I think that um, he's very open to be tagged. I, it wouldn't shock me to see him get hit with one of uh, Marais's hard right hands and just get put on the canvas. Um, you know, that's that's something that we haven't seen before, so it's kind of hard to bank on that. And um, we haven't seen his jujitsu either, so it's kind of hard to say what would happen if this fight went to the mat. Although by reputation, it would be Marais, but we just oh, haven't. Marais, Marais is world class. class. Yeah, of, Mar- no, of course, but we, I'm just saying we haven't seen it in the UFC yet. That's all. But yeah, yeah, um, we, haven't, we haven't seen it really in MMA, but I can remember. Right. That's all. Uh, but um, I think that um, I don't know. For some reason, I, I just see I just see Ben Saunders walking into or waiting around for one of those. You know, put it put everything oh, into we, one straight shots. And, we did, by uh, the way. We we saw him submit Neil Magny. Now yeah. that I remember it. Yep. Did we? Uh, yeah. I don't remember it was, that. It was 2013, Neil Magny, but it was still yeah. still Neil Magny. Um, Joe, I, I I get what you're saying though, Chris. I have I'm struggling a little bit at 9100 in my builds, Joe. and that's my that's my greatest fear here is that Marias has not always shown the best fight IQ, and my fear cool. is that he falls in love with his striking, and he should have enough of an edge on the ground that he should look for takedowns. Um, and, you know, if he doesn't and Sanders just plays an avoidance game, then this could stretch out a little bit. And in 9.1K, I mean, I don't necessarily love this as a fight to target. Now, of course, Sanders can walk into something. I mean, he's had his chin tested. Um, he can walk into something. But I, if I I would like to see Marais go for the takedown and, and finish him, try to finish him on the ground here. Because I've seen him in past fights not exhibit the best fight IQ. So my pick is Marais, but it's very tentative. Yeah, the, the other issue is somebody just brought it up in chat is that um, 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu is where um, Ben Saunders trains out of. His BJJ is legit. It's a tricky style. I just think Marais is, is on just a different level. I, I know Saunders' BJJ is good. On the ground, I have to think that Marais has the advantage for sure. It's, like you said, on the feet. They both get kind of wild. The Jake Ellenberger, um, Ben Saunders fight was an all-in GPP fight because it was likely to finish. This fight, I don't think it's as likely to finish. Let me, real quick. And by the way, while you're looking that up, Sanders is just one hell of a nice guy, Saunders. You know, he's he's very engaging on Twitter. And, you know, I I remember I tweeted out, hey, I'm thinking of putting you on my DK lineup. Any thoughts? And he he tweeted back, I'd be honored. (laughs) Yeah, I remember that. Like, what, um, what a cool dude. Minus 165 to end inside the distance for the fight. Because Marais, when he can't get a takedown, when he's on the feet, he, you know, he throws kind of wild. Yep. I've seen Saunders, you know, he's got a little bit of pop, but Saunders can, can be finished. So this is a GPP fight for me because 
oddly enough, both guys sounds really hate to give this kind of general analysis, but it, it holds true in this fight. Both guys have really low floors and really high ceilings. Um, so not a fight I'm targeting in cash. You know, it's funny. Just just re- just one little addendum to that, just to amplify, I guess, what I've already said. I agree with you about the wild striking, but against somebody who gets hit as readily as Sanders does and how powerful uh, Marais throws, I actually think that might be a benefit here and, and not a weakness. So that's how I'm no. coming. I don't disagree. Uh, next up, we have Augusto Sakai, 8,800, taking on Chase, the Vanilla Gorilla Sherman at 7,400. Everyone on this panel is going to love. Sakai is the favorite, minus 200. Sherman's your underdog at plus 185. Joe, take it away. Tell us what you think of Chase Sherman. Come on. I mean, fading Chase Sherman is better than compound interest. It's better than ice cream on a hot day. It's better than uh, it's better than than warming up after coming in from the winter cold. I mean, I could go on and on. I mean, please do. Absent the narrative, because there is narrative, which I'll go on upon shortly. Absent the narrative, if Chase Sherman spent seven weeks in Jackson Wink sparring with the top five heavyweights and was going up against my daughter, who's a yellow belt in Krav Maga, I would bet on my daughter. Um, oh come on! In, in this fight, okay. So that is a bit hyperbole. Yes. Okay, I don't need to know a lot about Sakai. I watched. He's got some wins in Bellator. He's fought better competition than Chase Sherman. Chase Sherman got knocked out by a wrestler in his last fight. Coming off of a full camp. I'm sorry. He got he got floored by Justin Willis. Which happened first? I can't remember whether he, he – his last fight Willis was in City. Right, so Justin Willis, I think, just gassed out, punching him. But anyway, look. So here's the narrative on this fight. Chase Sherman has beaten – Two guys in the UFC. One, Damian Grabowski, who he could not put away. Fought him for three rounds. If anybody has less head movement than Chase Sherman, it's Damian fucking Grabowski. Okay. Who's the other guy he beat in what was a fight of a night fight? Rashad Coulter. Coulter took the fight on three fucking days notice, right? And had to cut weight to make 265. Yes. Beep. Yes, yes. He beats him. Yeah, I Sorry. know. Sorry, I forgot about the buzzer. I'm so passionate about Chase Sherman. Okay, so Sakai has got one loss in his UFC career, right? Forget about the Dana White contender series. That means nothing. He's got one loss in his UFC career, which is a split decision against Czech Congo. Even at Czech Congo's age, he's better than anybody that Chase has fought. Not, a, not, not his UFC career, I should. Right. Uh, well, I mean, again, okay, so here's the last part of the narrative. Chase Sherman admitted he took this fight on short notice for a payday, Okay. He admitted he had a very incomplete camp. Let's wrap this all around the fact that if this guy was to actually move his, I don't even think he has peripheral vision. If this guy was to move his head once or twice, okay, his only redeeming quality is cardio. That's it. And maybe a little bit of takedown defense, but this is, Sakai is not going to try to take him down. He's just going to bang him into next week. He's fighting at home. He's the Brazilian fighter. Fade, fade, Chase. I have got zero lineups with Chase in mass entry GPPs. Zero. Okay. Well, let's just go to Chris before. This is the first really real disagreement me, me and Joe are going to have on this podcast. But Chris, are, are you are you agreeing with Sun Tzu on his on his hottest of takes to completely fade a heavyweight? Uh no, and I don't think it's possible to hate Chase Sherman uh, more than. <laughs> Joe does. I don't but, hate um, him. I don't hate him. I just think he's a, he's a great he's great to fade. Compound interest, baby. 
I also think that was the first time we've ever gotten two f bombs in the same analysis. Yeah, in the same way. Set a record there. But um, look, while I don't, I don't um, advise fading any heavyweights in all your lineups if you're playing GPPs. I will agree that it's really hard for me to to take Chase Sherman uh, in any fight. He just doesn't move his head. He, I mean, he gets hit so often. I mean. The one thing I, I will say is that most of the, the guys who knock him out are more athletic than he is, um, barring um, Abdul, which is who, just sort of a, a fluky thing. And um, I don't think Sakai is that. In fact, I think Sakai is um, a pretty big boy, so I, I wouldn't consider him athletic. But what I do think is going to happen here is, I mean, Sakai, we've seen him, re- he's really good in the clinch. He's really good in the tie clinch. Um, I think he, he can just sort of, you know, um, grind on him and sort of bang him out from the tie clinch and really dirty box and, and really get his way to victory that way. And even if it's in space, um, you know, he throws in combinations. So I just don't see Sherman moving his head. And so <laughs> if he doesn't, and I, I don't think he will, I, I just see him getting knocked out at some point. All I right. just, um, I'm, I'm going to let Sean go because he's chomping at the bit. But I, am. I'm, I, I'm, I, I'm, I just can't. And maybe Sean will convince me. Who knows? Way to I'm go, Chris. Way to go. I'm, I'm an open-minded guy, but uh, at this point, I, I just can't uh, take Chase is the new poster boy I for think, CTA. I, I, think, I think the fade is a bad move. Look, first, let's start with Augusto Sakai here. This is why I like this new format, so you can breeze, some, breeze through some of these other fights we're going to talk about and get to stuff like this. Chase Sherman has other redeeming qualities, and I'm going to make both of you say this. He does, in my opinion, something – I can't say he's the best heavyweight at it, but he is top three in terms of throwing leg kicks. He throws a good, hard leg kick, which you don't see a lot at heavyweight. He also is going to be a hell of a lot faster than uh, Sakai in this matchup. Cannot dispute at all that he does not move his head ever. Ever, ever, ever. Someone in chat says Chase has a good uh, chin. Well – Hang on, Joe. He used to have a good chin. The war he was in wars with um Walt Harris. <laughs> Walt Harris is a big boy who hits I hard. I know, I know. Like my, my point is though, is that Chase has taken the, the fight against Ledette where he ate 120 strikes again. Ledette is a light heavyweight boxer, but those fights put most people out. I think the accumulation that he's taken already as the new poster boy for CTE um, <laughs> is the most worrying part here. Sakai is also on the Brazilian Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series. He beat up an old man. Like Agreed. Like, let's, we don't really know what he is yet. I know he was in there against Czech Congo, old Czech Congo. I, I just – with the speed advantage Sherman is going to have and his ability to use leg kicks, he could really compromise – Sakai early, and Sakai, even if he wins, might not pay off value. That's if Sherman comes in with that game plan. I get the narrative that he took this fight on short notice and needs a payday. That's all worrisome stuff, but just fight breakdown-wise, I see a path for Chase to be live. So I'm not on the fade, especially when there's not a ton of dogs I like. And part of me just likes rooting for uh, Chase Sherman. Uh, before this line value flipped on Latus, I-, I was considering Sherman and cash. I think I can get away from that now. Um, God, it's the the speed and light kicks just interest me. So I'm not gonna fade. 
Joe can fade. And guys, if Chase Sherman wins this fight at Sun Tzu, S-U-N-T-S-Z-U. Oh, it'll be the biggest pork chop I've ever eaten because my hot take, I'm giving you my hot take now. Chase Sherman will score less than 10 drafting points. That's my hot take. So tweet the crap out of him. Beat me up, baby. Beat me up. All right. Let's move on. That was fun. Now we have Ryan Spahn. 8,700, taking on Luis Henrique, 7,500. Henrique coming from um, heavyweight to light heavyweight. Looks to be in great shape. Brian Spawn making his UFC debut. Spawn is the favorite, minus 145. Henrique at plus 135. I've seen a lot of love for Henrique floating around. Joe, do you agree with that? Yeah, I do, actually. I, he looked good on the scales, too. I mean, he was obviously carrying around some extra weight. He is a, uh, what, Brazilian Olympic wrestler, Let's not forget. Let's not forget that Henrique actually took down Ngannou, um, you know, uh, in his in his first fight at heavyweight. Um, I think he's got some solid wrestling. I think this weight cut to to light heavyweight is where he belongs. He's only going to it's only going to help his speed and stamina. Um, Spawn, on the other hand, is a two time um, Dana White Contender Series alumnus. The first time he got viciously KO'd by uh, Carl Roberson. And the fact that he is six foot five makes him all that much easier to take down and slam. So I think at seven point six, with line value creeping up in his favor, uh, Henrique is live. I would certainly have some shares of Spawn in case you know Henrique, you know, goes back to you know the Henrique that everybody knew and loved at heavyweight. But I definitely think he's live at seven point six k. Are you all worried about the gas tank? Because he's showing a bad gas tank at heavyweight. Well, I'm, I'm thinking that he could only this could only help. I mean, carrying around that extra less weight on that frame, um, fighting at home, not having to travel. Uh, didn't he? I I think he also had a fight in Colorado, which you know is is killer for a heavyweight. But I like uh, I like the way he looked on the scale. He looked good. I wouldn't say he looks like like the second coming of Charles Atlas, but he you could actually see abs. <laughs> Do you think he's cash viable? Yes. Chris, what do you have on this fight? Yeah. Um, Enrique looks really weird at light heavyweight. I have to say that. It, it's hard to recognize him. So I, I went back and um, I looked because he, he fought at light, at light heavyweight uh, in the regionals. And so I went back and I looked at some of those fights. And, you know, he moves pretty well. He's actually pretty quick uh, at light heavyweight. He likes to pressure a lot. The problem I have is that he still throws wide punches. And I think Spawn's a pretty decent counter puncher. Um, Spawn's got the, the loss that he took on the on the contender series was was sort of like an overzealous. He rushed into the clinch for a takedown and, and then sort of got hit by elbows. I, I, I don't I don't think Henrique's doing any of that. No, if this um, turns out into a striking fair, it's going to be a long night for Henrique. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree completely. I think um, he throws a nice, hard, solid one-two. I think I think his boxing is. Uh, is is pretty sharp. I I don't I don't know about like we've seen. Um, one of the reasons why I liked Enrique so much at heavyweight, at least when he first came in, was because of that wrestling uh, prowess. Um, but you know, he, we've seen him get tired if he has to take you down more than once, and he can't hold you there. Um, we've seen that in a couple of fights now. I, most recently, the the Tybura fight that happened. Um, as as um, Sean alluded to, we don't really know um, if his gas tank's going to hold up. We don't. We haven't seen him at light heavyweight in a while. But I think Spawn's the better athlete. Um, he's also a wrestler in his own right. I've never seen him defend takedowns, full disclosure. So I'm not sure how well he'll do with that. But um, 
I'm going to go with the more athletic, better striker, and that's fun. See, my, my one concern with this is that Henry's going to look for those takedowns. And Spawn, the one thing, he, he doesn't defend takedowns great, but he sinks in a lot of chokes on his way to the ground. Like, from what I watch, he can hit a submission. That's, if this fight ends up on the ground and his shoulders are flat, Henrique's got a big advantage. But on the way there, he's in trouble. And on the feet, Spawn, I think, has an advantage, plus the gas tank issues. For me, this is a pretty even fight. And with the prices the way they are, I like Henrique more as a GPP play. I don't know if I can go there in cash because I have a, such a hard time trusting that guy who fades so damn quickly. Um, so that's almost why I like Talis Leites and, and the line values there uh, just as comparison. But Lombard's the guy with the gas tank issue in this fight. Here, if there's a gas issue, it, it's Henrique. And that worries me a little bit in cash games. But I like both guys like this fight for GPPs. If I had to pick a winner... I think I picked Spawn on my own podcast. I'll probably give me Henrique as the Lions moved and plus one thirty now. Yeah, give me Henrique in Brazil to to win a close decision where you know they each have have success one round and the second one's kind of split takedown versus stand up. So close fight. Next up, more narrative. Francisco Trinaldo, eighty nine hundred, taking on Evan Dunham at seventy three hundred. Uh, Evan Dunham has announced this is, his, this is his last fight, which is sad. I like fading him. I made crap ton of money uh, sitting next to Joe, actually, um, watching Olivia Yarbar mercier knock him out in Brooklyn. That was fun uh, for DraftKings. This fight will be Dunham's last. He's been hurt to the body a ton, plus 175. Trinaldo at minus 190. Dunham does get hurt to the body a lot. By the way, Francisco Trinaldo is a different fighter in Brazil. He, he just is. He is... An old man, but he is an animal down there. Uh, Chris, we'll start with you for this one. Yeah, I think um, I think if you just watch the James Vick fight, you're gonna get um, a, a misleading uh, representation of Master and Duba striking because in that fight he really went to to wild overhand a lot, and I think the reason he did that was because he wasn't sure how to close the distance, and so it it led to a lot of awkward striking exchanges. But um, generally, I think he's actually a pretty smooth boxer. Uh, he's he's good at landing that right hand up the middle, and I think that's gonna be, I think that's gonna be key against Dunham, who who likes to throw like these wide hooks and, and doesn't bring his uh, doesn't bring his hands back up to his face after he retracts. So I think um, I think Master Anduba is gonna be really open to to hit uh, Dunham with a hard counter here or two or three, and I also think he's the better grappler. Um, I think he's, he's the better uh, transition guy on the mat. So if this does go to the ground, I favor Master Nduba terribly. I think I favor him everywhere. So I think this is going to be a, a pretty simple pick for me, and I'm going to say Master Nduba possibly by knockout. I disagree with you a little bit in that one. I think Dunham, his path to victory is is takedowns, and he showed he can, he can control some guys. Uh, Rick Glenn, Ross Pearson, I get that they're Ooh. not – Exactly, exactly. But Trinaldo's better on his feet. I, I think Evan Dunham could make this a dirty type of grappling fight and have some, have a little bit of success. The problem is it's his last fight. Trinaldo's a different guy in Brazil. The pick for me is Trinaldo. Joe, what do you have on this one? Well, taking the narrative off the table, um, you know, and looking for some value under 7.5K, um, you know, Dunham is, is it for me. Um, the narrative is a little disturbing. You know, obviously his last fight, He's in a dispute with the UFC over uh, unpaid hospital bill, I believe. 
um, came out and said he didn't even watch five minutes of tape on Trinaldo, despite the fact that, you know, if there's one guy on this card where there's a lot of tape, it's this fight. Um, you know, so I'm a little concerned with the narrative. Um, and also, I think people are going to be off of Dunham because of the um, um, Mercier, um, you know, KL. But that's very uncharacteristic for Dunham. Um, I I think he's going to fight better here. Um, I could see him grinding out a decision. Uh, Trinaldo is 55 years old, and sooner or later, you know, that's got to affect him. Um, he's only lost to good fighters. I have all the respect in the world for him. You know, read up on him. It's a heartbreaking story. Like, he... Like, he had to walk to training because he couldn't afford the bus. I mean, you know, it's a really solid story, you know, him making good, favela boy. You know, um, I, I like him a lot. Um, so I would go – I'm going with uh, Dunham for the upset, but it certainly wouldn't surprise me if Trinaldo won. Somebody did bring up a good point in chat. Uh, Nicole, again, are you worried about Trinaldo's output? It is worth noting he is not – outside of the Yanti Medeiros fight, Yanti Medeiros does that to people. He's got decisions, wins – 40 strikes, 36 strikes, 50 strikes, 63 strikes. Oh, I would be underweight to him because unless yeah. he gets a knockout, he's not going to score well. So, yes, in terms of floor, absolutely a little bit worried about Trinaldo and the output. Next up, one of the guys I love to fade. I love fading Charles Dubronx Oliveira at 9,400. He takes on the returning to the UFC Christos Gaigos at 6,800. Dubronx is rightfully the large favorite in this fight before I, you know, I can't get too carried away here. Uh, he is the rightful large favorite. Current line, oh, I always have it, minus 400. Guy goes plus 355. It's an under one and a half prop. Joe, what do you have on this fight? Look, I mean, I think this is a bit of a softball for Dubronx. The, this guy coming back to the UFC is not actually coming back on this, like, super impressive unbeaten streak with lots of finishes. I mean, he, he's, he's fought in some decent, decent organizations. Two and one out of ACB. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, we all know what Dubronx's game is, right? I mean, if he gets in the least bit of trouble or adversity, he tends to fold and give up. That's why he is in his, historically a great fade. I mean, he's got a very clear path to victory. Um, home. I, I like him here. I mean, he's my pick. I think I like him um, more than Zaleski in terms of uh, a, a play on DraftKings. You know, he's also $100 cheaper. Um, so I, I like Dubronx. Yeah, I, I'll go last. Uh, Chris, what do you got? Yeah, um, you know, I, I actually think Dubronx is a little underrated. I always have. I think – his striking is underrated. I think he's got good body kicks. I think he delivers good, crisp, straight punches. Um, you know, and Gygos is, is a guy who lets himself get backed up. You know, he lets himself get backed up, and then he tries to swing his way out with uh, these winging hooks. And, um, you know, I guess he can catch, uh, but I would I would actually favor Dubronx in the striking. I think his striking is a little underrated, as I said. also think, um, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if, Guy goes is a little stronger in the wrestling department, but um, I I obviously favor Dubronx on the mat, and um, so in conclusion, I I just think that uh, Dubronx is going to have too many advantages here. I think uh, Joe's point is a good one. I think we have seen him um, fold when he gets tested. He wasn't over tested much and over and over yeah, again. We have, um, 
you know, he wasn't tested much in, in that last win against uh, Clay Guida. He finished him pretty quickly. So, you know, he might need that. And um, for that for that reason, Gigos isn't a bad, you know, counterplay if, you know, the fight lasts. But that also, I think, puts, um, puts some impetus on uh, or, or some, um, uh, you know, it adds more value, I think, to to Bronx because if he does finish, um, it's going to be first round. So that would make him a nice GPP play, I think. He's going to be my pick to win the fight. But um, for the reasons mentioned, I don't think a uh, guy goes is, is a bad uh, counterplay. Boy, this fight is minus 485 to end inside the distance. Oliveira, who I'm going to have both sides of this fight. I want to be really clear. Um, this is one of the fights I'm going to have a lot of exposure to. He's either going to get a quick sub or he's not going to. And he's going to get, you know, not TKO because he just lays there and gives up. Or, or you know, he, we've seen it against Paul Felder, Ricardo Lamas, Anthony Pettis. Um, I won't hold the Holloway one against him. That was that was a first-round knockout, diff, different level. But we've seen – it's not just that he loses to those guys. It's how he loses. If Gygos can uh, survive early, he can get a second-round win in 6,800. That's in the nuts lineup. So I'm going to mix them into G- GPPs. Probably not going there in cash unless you want to super punt, but I don't think you need to on this card. So uh, for that reason, as somebody's talking in my ear, I don't know who that was. Um, yeah, I, I got some. I got both sides of this fight. Next up, it is Random Marcos at eight thousand, taking on Marina Rodriguez at eighty two hundred. Marcos is now the favorite, minus one ten to the ever slightest amount of odds value here. Uh, Rodriguez plus 100, another UFC debut. Brandon Marcos, I think every MMA pod I've listened to this week has mentioned this. Alternates wins and losses would be due for a win. Is she going to continue that trend, Chris? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think, um, you know, last week that we saw an undefeated fighter come in who I wasn't really high on, um, who ended up getting the win. But this is an undefeated fighter who I am really high on and I'm actually really excited to see. Um, I think she uses her length well. Um, she fights long. She uh, has a nice one-two that she snaps off. She's excellent in the clinch. Um, she's relentless. Uh, she can wrestle. She's got great top pressure when she gets her opponent to the ground. Uh, the long limbs are, are, are great for submissions, obviously. I, I'm uh, just really excited to see her, and I just don't think uh, Random Marcos does enough of anything. Obviously, she's a wrestler. Control grappler, but, you know, her takedowns have been coming fewer and further between these days. Um, you know, and when, once, you know, she gets her opponents to the ground, doesn't do a, a whole lot. Um, yeah, I just I just think that uh, the debutante's going to have way too many advantages here, and I actually like this fight for a stop it. I, that's a pretty strong take as well. You can pick between a couple hot takes. Joe? No. Uh, give me Marcos here. Um you know, I, I need to see a fight, like a, a fight against real competition before I can can get any 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 sense of, of feel for how this Brazilian – I mean, again, this is another Dana White contender series. Is this the one who fought the 20-year-old that just actually quit in the ring? Yeah. Let me see. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I <laughs> – I, uh, mm, yeah, 21 years old, who she fought um, – who just actually said no more, um, you know, so I don't know. I mean, Marcos is tough. She's beat, she beat Carla Esparza. 
She's got a solid wrestling game. Um, no issues that I could see at weigh-ins. Look, I don't love this fight, and it's not a really strong pick. And I don't know that this would be a great fight, unless you're like Chris and think you're going to get a finish out of it. I don't see this as a great fight to target. You've got 13 other fights um, on this card, so you could certainly pass on this one. But my pick is going to be Marcos. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I will have a little bit of Marcos because of that. She's been in there with better competition. I think she's 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 not untalented. She's just in close fights with good competition. And she's going to look to grapple, which on DraftKings, to me, in a mid-range is always something that I'm going to at least consider. I'll have a little bit of random Marcos. She's my pick to win the fight, but it's nothing, nothing overwhelming on this one. All right, we're finally up to the main card. Andre Ewell at 7,700, taking on Henan Barrow at 8,500. Uh, I said the same line on my podcast. I'm going to continue it. My, how the mighty have fallen. Henan Barrow against a UFC newcomer is minus 155. Yeah, this should be minus 400. I don't, I don't understand. It was even, it was even lower at some point. I got a really good line on, on this fight as well. Um, at least in my mind, it opened at minus 350. By the way, Henan Barrow, one of the big concerns was his cut to bantamweight. Yeah, he missed weight by like six and a half pounds. So don't worry about that. I, I, I think Barrow smokes him. Honestly, I know it's hard to, to hear that, say that, because of how he's looked recently. Um, and I'll get to some more of the technical stuff behind that. But I want to start this breakdown by saying I really like Henan Barrow in this matchup. Joe, we'll start with you for this one. Well, once I, I found out he missed weight by – and obviously didn't try because, again, I, I said it, I'm going to sound like a Brooklyn record. I'd rather have – especially at this weight class, I'd rather have a guy miss big than miss small. Um, so he is giving 30% of his purse up to uh, to Mr. Ewell. Um, so I actually added some Burrell to my lineups once uh, I heard that he missed weight. Um, so my pick here is Burrell. If he does not have a relatively easy time here, then he should just hang it up. Chris? Yeah, this is another one where, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not judging. I'm just anxious to hear um why you favor Brow quite so much. Uh, I'll go a little bit first. I, I just think that um, you know, in his last fight against Keller, and, and we've seen this for a while now too, I mean he was just getting hit with the same strikes over and over and over again. Overhand right uppercut for for the entire fight and, and was basically out on his feet in the third round. The fight could have been stopped with seconds left. It wasn't, so it doesn't go in the books that way. But, I mean, he was just taking so much damage. It was like he wasn't seeing the strikes coming. And I, I, will, he, I will ask you this. Did you watch any or of a lot of Andre Ewell? I, I, I know that he's very fast. He's got very fast hands, and that's what I'm counting on here. I, I, I think he can – look, um, I'll, I'll, I'll let you go in one second. I just think that uh, I just think that um, Barrow, look, he, he's the classic Muay Thai striker. He wants to stand there flat-footed, and I I think that Iwak can overwhelm him here. And look, the the fact that the fact that he was getting um, pressured up and just strike after strike after strike against Keller is really concerning to me because I think Iwak is going to try to do much of the same thing. He's going to pressure and he's just going to try try to rain strikes. I I, I really don't think. A stoppage is out of the realm of possibility here. I, I know that Barrow, look, he showed off a good light kick in that last fight. He, he's, he's got a good, uh, crisp, straight right hand, but 
I, I just don't think it's going to be enough. I think that you all can come out here and swarm him and overwhelm him. And that's what I think I'm going with. So go ahead. Look, did you happen to notice any defense or, 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 or the defense of, of you all? I didn't have to notice anything from Brown. He, he, he has none. He has no defense. And more worrying, what I, what I think um, what no one's talked about yet, uh, at, at least here, is that Burrell's a good wrestler. He took down yeah. Aljamain Sterling in the first round. Yule got his takedown defenses and good. I think that's the biggest advantage in this fight. And this is Hennon Burrell's second camp at ATT. They're not going to miss that. I think Adam Burrell, we're actually going to see him go in, shoot for some takedowns. On the feet, yes, he's taking too much damage, but he's. I'm not too worried about the um, the chin. The, the non-cutting down to bantamweight, all the way down to bantamweight, helps his chin. They stand and trade. Yeah, it's a much closer fight, much like Kelleher. But Yule doesn't have any defense either. Is he going to stand in there for three rounds? He's making his UFC debut. He's in Brazil. Oh, wow. I totally forgot the ATT. I, I actually mentioned on my alpha pod that he was a longtime Novo and Yao fighter. No, this, I, this, is, this is now yeah, his this yeah. is his second camp at, at ATT. And this is totally where a lot forgot. of times you see that jump, especially at ATT. Yeah. So I like Burrell a bunch. I think he's got a safe floor. Um, I mean, MMA, anybody can crack anyone, but I like Henry Burrell a bunch in this spot. The wrestling point is well taken, but is he going to be a dedicated wrestler for three rounds? I, I, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good I point. I think if he gets on top, he could get a finish. He might. He might. He, I, just, I just think that, you know, he's going to get pressured, and we're going to have to see how he responds to it. And I don't I, think I, I, I do concede that it's incredibly hard to see because of how he has looked lately. All right, we are at 14 fights. Jesus is going along. But we got – this fight shouldn't take too long, guys. Sam Alvey, 9,200, taking on uh, Ruggiero Nagara, Little Nog at 7,000. Alvey, the big favorite. The line on this fight, last time it looked, was about minus, 300, minus 350 for Alvey, plus 320 for Nagara. Chris, how do you have this fight? Um, with me sleeping and waking up in time for the next one. <laughs> um, you, know, yeah. I, I, you know, do I have to make a pick here? I we talk about Sam Alvey a lot. Um, you know, he's just, he's just the ultimate counter striker. He, he'll let, he's going to let himself get backed up the entire fight looking for that one shot. And if it never comes, he's okay with it because he, he'll just either win by two more strikes than you or lose. And he doesn't seem to care one way or the other. Um, it's, it's difficult to know what we're going to get. Of course, from little knock here, last time we saw him, he got, you know, I'm pretty sure Ryan Bader committed a crime against him in certain states, uh, just wrestling him and, and, and beating the tar out of him until it was finally mercifully stopped. Before that, he showed off some actual pretty okay boxing against Patrick Cullins. Uh, he does have a jab that he likes to flick out there. Um, he'll, he'll throw the overhand, which is what he caught uh, Cummins with, and eventually finished him. I, I, I don't expect – I mean, Alvey's a tough guy to finish anyway, and – with, we haven't seen him in so long. I don't expect Little Nog to get a finish here, but I do expect him to. Um, I don't. I don't expect him to really push either, because neither one of these guys really push. He probably right. pushes more than Sam Alvey does. But um, I don't know. This has all the makings of sort of a slow, boring fight. But I think Nogueira, and I can't believe I'm saying this, is probably a, a little bit better of a boxer. Yes. So. Um, 
I, I think I would go dog or pass here, but ultimately I'm going to be uh, in bed for this. Nagara, by the way, also looked terrible on the scales today. Joe? Well, look, I think Nagara is the UFC equivalent of a fire axe. They keep them behind glass, and every two years when they have a card in Brazil, they break the glass and, and let him fight. Um, I I agree with her. This, ha- this could potentially be an extremely boring fight because Alvi is a counterpuncher. I do not see, or at least I hope, that Nagara will not rush him like Procneal and just get just get knocked, knocked the heck out. Um, if that doesn't happen, this could be a greasy kind of back and forth, um, top tap, touch, touch, um, you know, three round decision. Um, again, who knows what's going to happen in Brazil. If it's close, Albi generally fights backing up. Um, you know, my pick is Albi. I don't know that I want a lot of exposure to this fight. On one hand, it would not surprise me if Albi got the finish, even though that's not in his necessarily in his DNA. Um, Little Nog would actually have to make a mistake pretty much for Albi to get the finish. He's not going to pursue it. Um, you know, and on the other hand, it could be one of these, like Chris said, this is like, okay, you know, you got two fights left, you're 12 fights in, you know, you've had a lot of chili for dinner and now's the time to go kind of, you know, take a sabbatical. Yeah. I'll be, what's frustrating is both these guys could end up on the optimal because if Nagara gets a decision, even if it's slow pace and not a lot of dogs win at 7,000, he's right there. And Alvi, if Nagara's totally shocked because he's, 6,000 years old and lands, lands that left hand early, he could, he could end up with, with 102 to 105. And that's, that could be good enough at 9,200, but that's, it's in the realm of outcomes for both guys. But I do agree. I think the most likely outcome is what we've covered. I'll have a little bit of each side of this fight, just based on where their salaries are. It's, it's not a fight I'm, I'm willing to fade, but it's not one I want to be overexposed to. Next up, co-main event, Alex Oliveira, 9,300, taking on Carlo Peter Sali Jr., 6,900. Alex Oliveira, minus 410, Peter Sali, plus 365. I have seen way too much love than Carlo Peter Sali. I'm going to take a second here. I know we're short on time, but guys, he has been in close fights with Nicholas Dalby and Brad Scott. While these two guys are talking, I want you to keep that in your mind. I don't even know where they stand on this fight, but I've seen a plenty of people that I know and some sharp guys on Peter Sali, and I, I don't get it. I just I, I'm gonna have some shares because he's decent at range and he's super cheap. But Alex Oliveira is good. And he's he's the guy I think on this card more than Charles, who is just constantly underrated. Um, I saw him knock Ryan LaFlair out cold in, in Long Island. It was a nasty knockout. Um, so I think he's underrated. Joe, what do you have for this fight? Look, unless he takes this fight too lightly, um, there's no way, there's no reason why Oliveira should not win and get a finish. I actually do like him. Thank God. Let's see if Chris tilts me. I do like him slightly more than Dubronx just because I don't see Oliveira. I mean, I don't know if he quit against Cerrone. That was a short notice fight. He seemed happy to be there. They obviously made him a pretty good financial incentive for, for being in the main event in that fight, Cowboy versus Cowboy in Pittsburgh. Um, but other than that, you know, again, he's kind of a funky guy. I mean, you know, he's like, he's got, you know, three kids from three different women. They all live on the same block, which is kind of interesting sociology dynamics. Um, he's always like asking women out in the stands. I mean, if he is takes this fight semi-seriously, he should just dispose of, of this guy. Um, so my, my pick is Cowboy Oliveira. 
Chris? Well, as much as I love tilting you, um, I don't think I, you know, actually I have, I have shockingly few um, underdogs on this card. I, I don't like it, but uh, we'll see what we can do going forward. But yeah, no, I'm picking Cowboy here. I, I just, I just, I just love his pressure. I think he is a, a really good wrestler, grappler. Uh, we've seen him get stuck on the bottom and, you know, sort of look helpless, but that's, that's against, you know, really good wrestlers. So I'm not worried about that. I, I just, I just think that uh, Peter Zoli is just, you know, he, he, he likes to throw kicks. He, um, he likes to throw these weird, not weird per se, but hooks and, that really isn't how you catch um, Cowboy. Uh, he, who, who was, who did he fight where that was the big war and uh, yeah, Medeiros. Medeiros. Medeiros was doing it with, with you know, straight punches up the middle. I don't think um, Pedersoli is going to do that. I think he likes to go more for the hooks. And I just think that you know, Cowboy is going to put a pace on you, and he's he's really uh, he's got the length, and he can grapple, and he can wrestle, and he hits really really hard. And uh, yeah, so I like him a lot here. Yeah, so so do I. He's been one of my favorite guys to target on DraftKings for a while. Um, look, he's strong in the clinch. He's, I ran through this on a different podcast. He changes your career. Like he's retired some people. People have now looked the same after fighting him. I mean, Carlos Condit. That that's he was already wasn't the same. But violent fights, high output. He can grapple. Peter Soli needs to keep this at range. I'll have, as I said, mentioned, I'll have a little bit of him, but I like Alex Cowboy Oliveira a ton. And that brings up our main event. Tiago Santos, 8,600. Eric, your boy, Anders, at 7,600. I still enjoy hearing Bruce Buffer say your boy every time. I hope he's on hand for uh, this card. The line on this fight, Tiago Santos, minus 160. Eric Anders, plus 150. Technique-wise, you have to give it to Santos. Anders in close fights with Tim Williams. I will say, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap up at the end like I've been doing, but I, tape and just what I've seen technique-wise, Santos should win this fight, and it should be a comfortable pick at minus 160. I've yet to bet it. I don't know if I'm going to because my gut is telling me Anders is going to win this fight, and that's just pure gut. Um, Chris, how's your breakdown on the main event? Yeah, uh, my gut's not telling me anything like that, except that I'm a little hungry. Yeah, um, I, I I think this is a this is a pretty um, comfortable fight for Santos. We've seen how you get to Santos. David Branch did it. You pressure him and you strike, and and while he tries to throw these you know wild uh, hooks at you to try to like back you off and leaves himself open, and you know you knock him out. But um, in order to get that pressure from Santos, you really have to take it from him. Like you really have to be a dedicated pressure fighter and 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 really control the space. Otherwise, he's going to do it. And I don't think Eric Anders is that guy who's going to aggressively control the space. We saw his fight against Natal, who basically backs himself up. Then his fight against Leonardo Cheetah, who always backs himself up. So I don't know if he's a pressure fighter as much as his opponents were willing to relent and give it to him. And Santos isn't going to do that. And if he doesn't, um, you know, Andrews is, has almost certainly never fought anybody like this, who's just going to blitz out in, into a buzzsaw, really make him react and, and put him in a bunch of bad spots. Um, I, I just don't think Andrews is ready for this kind of test. We've seen him be a tentative striker um, in pretty much every fight. He picked it up a little bit in, in the last 
fight against Tim Williams in the third because he had to. But we've seen him um, be a tentative striker uh, in the UFC. And, um, you know, he's got a little bit of wrestling, uh, which he could use here. But uh, ultimately, I just see Thiago Santos pretty much storming the castle and, and maybe getting him out of there. Yeah, somebody asked, we see Santos looking for takedowns. I don't think so. I think he wants to stand up with, with Anders. Um, Anders is incredibly strong. I, I agree with you guys. It's just, like I said, it's just my gut saying Santos, we've seen him be knocked out. David Branch got him. We've seen him weird fights with Anthony Smith. Um, Chris, real quick, do you have, uh, I know you're probably exposed to both sides in GPPs, cash games, um, stack, stackable, Santos, stackable. what do you think of? Uh, I, no, I, I don't think so. I, I, I just don't, um, you know, the, the, the problem, the problem here is that, um, you know, we, we, we haven't seen Anders get finished either. So it's not like, it's not like we can rely on that, but we, we have seen him have a, a little bit of a gas tank issue. I mean, so there, there's a little bit of a risk involved, I suppose, um, to get too exposed or do anything tricky like stacking. But I mean, as far as the fight pick, I, I really don't see how you can go any other way. Joe? Yeah, well, I mean, Chris stole some of my thunder. I mean, I don't see Anders as having the proper fighting style to take advantage of Santos's deficiencies. And he would have to fight outside of himself, which I honestly don't see him doing um, for this fight. Um, even though it's at light heavyweight at 205, you know, there was still a weight cut for Anders. I mean, he was 220 pounds, you know, in Brazil. So he had a few pounds to cut. Um, you know, he has fought in Brazil before, which is good. Uh, I just, again, I think Santos is going to chew his legs up with kicks. Uh, I, I, the way I look at it is Santos early, Anders late. If this drags out, you know, into a five-round fight and, and fin you know, and there's a decision, would it surprise me if Anders won three rounds to two? No. But I think if it plays out inside of the distance, then your winner is going to be Santos. All right, guys. Uh, hot take time. We have Joe's Joe's hot take. You want to remind everybody real quick? Yeah. Uh, Chase Sermon will score under 10K, under 10 DK points. And by the way, I'm 2-0 for my last two weeks hot takes. Last week was a sub-9K fighter would, would score the highest points as a function of X. So I got that. And uh, how, looking back on it, I don't know how hot that was, but we'll give it to you. Oh, I mean, you look at all those, look at all those 9K fighters you had. Actually, it was even forget about even as a function of acts. He just outright scored more than yeah. anyone. Marzalia was great. Yeah. Um, Chris, yeah. Uh, well, uh, thank you, Sean, for for handing me my hot take or reminding me uh, what my hot take should be. I'm I'm gonna go with it. I'm gonna say uh, Marina Rodriguez by ju 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 ju. Let's say uh, finish knockout. Uh, I was deciding between knockout or uh, let's say knockout. That's All a right. super hot take. Joe, is go. that hot or is this is this is, is this hotter? Hen and Barrow uh -huh. and Jillian Robertson combined for 200 DraftKings points. Wow, that's pretty hot. That's I I give it to you. you that's you a hot mean, take. It's a yeah. hot take. I like it. I like it. It's a hot it's, take. It's, I like it. Fighters. And if that happens, by the way, I'm gonna have a very good day. So it's it's win-win. You and me both. Right, guys. Um we week are off. we are off next week. Uh, everyone, um, I know sometimes I, I Bag or ask for followers a bunch on Twitter. But if you want to see some cool behind the scenes uh, stuff, I'm going to the NASCAR championships next weekend. Yeah, um, at, at the DFS Sniper 1S, I'm going to 
tweet a bunch of stuff. I am going to um, really kind of be all over it. Um, behind the scenes stuff, videos, pictures, ask any questions. Um, it, it should be a really cool experience. And then the following week, it's the big one, Habib Nurmagomedov and Conor McGregor. And I want everyone just process this because I'm, I'm, I'm going, it's going to be my pet peeve the whole fight week. We are going to minimize the fight breakdown because if you don't know the fight breakdown, you should not play DFS or you're probably a fish. Everyone knows how this, how the two ways this fight is going to go. We're going to analyze it from a DFS perspective, how to play it. So everyone just kind of get that in your mind as we enjoy UFC Sao Paulo. Good luck in your contest, guys. This was fun. I'll see you one, next one week. One second. Hey, yeah. Chris, can, can we ask uh, Jake to maybe give us some uh, Rotowire uh, swag that we could kind of raffle off here, you know, to our, our loyal listening audience? Maybe we could – you know, get some shirts, some hats, whatever, and, and just kind of spread the love a little bit. Maybe you can run that by Jake. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I just do it. Everyone, at, at, go find Jake Latarski on Twitter. He, is, he manages this uh, this program. Say you want some 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 raffle items for the live. Um, you have to be watching live in two weeks, Fight IQ, and maybe we'll have a contest. We'll, we'll ask some kind of trivia. And, and yeah, do we'll, it we'll call Yep. So uh, I will, last thing, wrapping up um, chat, I, I do, I'd ask Chris, I also agree, not stacking the uh, the uh, main event. So enjoy this card, UFC Sao Paulo. We'll see you in two weeks for UFC 229. Guys, thanks. It was fun. I'll see you next, see you in two weeks. Out. Oh.